Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 40, produced 7 May 2017. If ever there was a land sculpted for scenic touring, it is Scotland. From gently rolling hills in the lowlands to the craggy peaks of the Cairngorms, there are shimmering lochs and great expansive glens. Thousands of miles of dramatic coastline dotted by sandy beaches that rival the tropics. Along the way, there are hectic modern cities, quaint wee fishing villages, and castles and standing stones that transport you back in time. The question is not what to see, but how best to see it. One man, Colin Baird, believes the answer is the bicycle. I'm Glenn Moyer, and I invite you to ride along with me as I chat with the Cycling Scot, here under the Tartan Sky. History, Heritage, Archaeology in 2017, Scotland invites you to peer into the mists. Scotland's history is a long and rich one, filled with stories of legends and myths. Its heritage can be found in fields of standing stones and the ruins of castles that once were clan strongholds. Through the science of archaeology, new discoveries of ruins and artefacts are continuously being made, but often reveal tantalising new clues to stories yet untold. In 2017, more than 50 events are planned built around nine major festivals as Scotland invites visitors and locals alike to come face to face with the past. Great legends have been made throughout Scotland's history. What story will you write when you visit Scotland in the year of history, heritage and archaeology? Colin Baird is a traveler, a cycling enthusiast, and a budding travel writer. The introduction to his blog is this simple statement, quote, My name is Colin Baird, and I want to see all of Scotland by bicycle, end quote. Bicycle? Long stretches of narrow, winding roads, rolling hills that turn to mountains, wicked weather? Well, that was enough to convince me that I wanted to chat with this man. I've driven miles across and around Scotland, but always by car. My soon-to-be 64-year-old knees will not allow a tour on two wheels. Well, not if powered by pedals, anyway. My younger brother and his wife are cyclists. They've done rides across Texas of a few to a few hundred miles. It's an experience I freely admit I just don't see the joy of. Although... As a wee lad growing up, I would often disappear for hours on my Schwinn Stingray bicycle, the one with the gooseneck handlebars and banana seat, but always remaining close enough to be home by sundown. Somewhat to my surprise, bicycle touring is an active part of Scotland's tourism industry. There are bike hire schemes, guided bicycle tours, and established national cycling routes. Visit Scotland, the National Tourism Office, even has a feature on their website called 11 Spellbinding Cycling Routes. 
To learn more about how and why to see Scotland by bicycle and why Colin particularly wants to do this, I asked him when the obsession with pedal power took hold of his life. I think it's I've always enjoyed traveling and traveling overseas um, was a big thing for me. I always went on sort of big trips and I liked writing, even if it was just taking notes in a journal. Um, I sort of realized, well, you can really only do one of those trips a year, but I can have as much of an adventure, as much excitement in my own country. Uh, there's so much to see and do here. Uh, I can do day trips from my home and go out into the countryside using the bicycle and have things to write about Um, instead of it just being once a year going somewhere overseas. I could do it more frequently. And I think the, the idea of, I think the beauty of being able to see one country using a bicycle just really appealed to me and I think being able to show people that you could actually do that, that it was possible and it became a kind of mission statement for the blog and a sort of purpose to the blog um, and just really, you know, enjoying that mode of transport. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Has bicycling always been a thing with you? I mean, did you ride a bike as a kid and just kind of grew up on it? Um, well, it's not. It didn't really happen that way for me. Oh. I mean, I did have a bike as a kid, um, but I think most of the time it was in the shed, unused, <laughs> <laughs> and it went through university, not really having an interest in it. And later on at university, I met a friend, and he was interested and cycling around Scotland, and he got me into it. Um, so it was kind of later on that I got into it, so it wasn't all through my childhood. It started it started later on. So I, I was going to ask, when did you get your first bike? Because that's usually quite a, uh, quite a strong <laughs> um, childhood memory for most kids. Yes. Um, but I'm guessing maybe that's not, not so much the case with you, that the, the first bicycle wasn't that big a deal? No, it wasn't. I mean, I definitely remember it being fun riding a bike as a kid. Um, but it just, other things, just it was more interested in other things as a kid, I think. Um, but I do remember the first, when I, when I decided that I was interested in cycling, I was going to go away with my friend on this bike trip and I didn't have a bike, so I bought one. And I definitely got that excitement, you know, when you buy the bike and it's all brand new. Yeah. Um, and you just you see you see the possibilities that it can that it can bring for exploring. Um, a lot of people say that new bike feeling that you get. It's it's quite true. There's a certain sense of excitement about it. So where was that first trip then that you and your friend went on? Where, where did you go and what was it like being out touring on a bicycle for the first time? Yeah, well, we kind of built up to it. Um, we started off by going on to the Forth and Clyde Canal. Uh, this It's a canal that 
runs out of Glasgow towards Edinburgh, uh, and you can actually cycle all the way along the canal between Glasgow and Edinburgh uh, on, on the towpaths. There's no traffic. Um, and we sort of did little jaunts down the canal, a few miles, sort of getting used to it, um, building up our confidence. And then the big trip that we went on was to the Orkney Islands, and that was the first cycling trip that involved staying overnight somewhere. And it was just, it was great. It was um, just being able to head out somewhere completely different, um, away from the cities and the freedom of the roads there, quiet roads, not much traffic. And of course, Orkney's got so many amazing things, all the Neolithic sites like Scarabri, uh, the coastline, uh, the scenery, just lots and lots of things to see, foods, beautiful foods, um, the craft beer as well was great. So it was a real, <laughs> really good holiday. Yeah. A good trip. Well, I want to get into to some of the magic you can see from the bicycle a little bit later on. Yeah. But uh, before we go there, I know from my experience in um, in Scotland, I, and I've always been a little taken aback by this because we don't see that here in the States, but hill walking and Monroe bagging, you know, climbing a Monroe and, and you know, having and then keeping track of which ones you've climbed, how many you've quote unquote bagged is really quite a, a popular pastime there in Scotland. We don't see that uh, to the same extent here in the U.S. So I was always kind of mm-hmm. surprised by that. How popular a sport is bicycling? And I realize there's different types of bicycling, but in particular, the touring type of cycling that, that you do and just bicycling mm-hmm. in general, is it a very popular sport in Scotland? It definitely is, yes. Um, I think that's really thanks to this great infrastructure. Um, so if you look at mountain biking, there's so many excellent mountain biking trails all over the country. Uh, the, the Seven Stains uh, are, are a collection of um mountain biking trails in the south of Scotland, they're world-renowned as, as being some of the best in the world. And there's others all over the country. We also have the National Cycle Network, uh, which is, is largely traffic-free cycle paths, which connects large parts of the country and goes through extremely scenic areas. So you get lots of people using these facilities, um, heading off on day trips or, you know, long weekends or or even longer. Um, So there is a lot of cycling going on. And you only have to look at any town or city in Scotland and there's always a bike shop there. And if you just, if you take Edinburgh, there's so many independent bike shops in Edinburgh, um, something for everyone. And, and I think that's just a, that really shows the, the, the popularity of it. And cycle commuting also is, is, is on the up. Oh. In Glasgow and Edinburgh, you, you know, if you head out in the morning when people are heading off to work, there are quite a lot of cyclists. Yes, not as many as, as cars or, or buses, but there are a lot and and I do uh, cycle to work every day, and um, more and more people are doing it because 
in Edinburgh in particular, it's a very congested city and you find that actually cycling to work in most cases is faster than taking a car or a bus. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was in London last September and taking a cab one morning to a train station and, and it's going to catch a train out to uh, the, sea, the seaside uh, to see some friends. And I was struck by huge numbers of people cycle commuting. Um, yeah. Again, it's not something you see a great deal, perhaps in the bigger cities here in the States, if, if you know, you're in New York city and San Francisco, Chicago, places like that. Um, mm-hmm. But in the, in, in the Midwest and the, in the South where I live, you just don't see that much um, cycle commuting. And I was just astounded by the number of people that were on bikes. And, and you're right. You know, you'd kind of, I'd kind of catch the eye of one particular cyclist and from stoplight to stoplight to stoplight as we were traveling through traffic you know i was trying to see who was making more progress me in my taxi <laughs> or or you know him on the bicycle and in most cases it was the bicyclist <laughs> it seemed like at every yes. stoplight every stoplight i had to you know connect with a different cyclist to see okay who's going to go furthest next time because the one i would pick would always end up making better time and better progress than we were uh, yeah. you know, automobile and that's a part of bicycling i guess i really had even thought about um yes so yeah it's interesting that that you're and i know i've heard things about um edinburgh wanting to become more and more of a of a carless society or a carless city they're they're trying mm-hmm. to i think turn more and more of the city into uh, pedestrian zones or cycle zones uh, where the automobile would not necessarily yes. be welcome so um i hadn't thought of that i, I guess that is a big thing that and that's an an easy way i suppose for people to get involved in cycling is to be using it for a very utilitarian purpose of going to and from work. Yes, it's, it's true. And, and just what you were saying there about Edinburgh wanting to be more, you know, sort of cycle friendly, walker friendly. I mean, just recently the city's introduced a 20 mile per hour speed limit mm-hmm. in the city, which, you know, slows the traffic even, even further. Um, and I think it's just, it puts a lot of strength on the argument that, you know, if you want to go somewhere quickly in the city, a bicycle in most cases is going to win. And and even against a bus, because um, I, have a, I have a colleague who lives in the same area that I live in, and we are constantly joking about the fact that we leave work at the same time Um and I always arrive home faster than him. <laughs> I gather he's on the bus. He's on the bus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I know I've seen in cities where there are, uh, you know, outside a major building, there'll be a bicycle stand, and there's just a rack. Mm-hmm. I, I saw that in London. There's a rack of uh, higher bikes, and, and it, you just kind of go yeah. up. It looks like, and, and like, you know, you drop a one-pound coin in the machine, uh, and it releases the bike, and you ride it to wherever you need to go, and then you put it, you know, back into the yeah. rack. So you don't have to, you know, take it from point A to point B and then return it to where you, you got it from. You you just grab a bike and ride it to wherever you need to go, and then, you know, find a rack to put it back into for the next person to come along, which seems That's like a, a brilliant scheme. And, and I, I, it was curious to see, as I say, the whole thing of cycle commuting just really astounded me to the level that I was seeing it when I was in London. Yeah, they have that. They call them the the Boris bikes after the the mayor Boris. Oh, Johnson. really? After Boris Johnson? Yeah, <laughs> called Boris bikes. Yeah, because <laughs> he brought them in. 
Um, but they have uh, they, they have the same thing in Glasgow actually, which they brought that in to coincide with the Commonwealth Great Games. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they do have it in Glasgow, and we don't have it in Edinburgh. But the the train company ScotRail they started doing this bike and go scheme. So at some train stations, there is actually bike hire at the train station. So I think we have it at one of the stations in Edinburgh and places like Stirling have it as well. And so you can actually hire a bike when you arrive off the train. And that's kind of run by them. So that it's, it is starting in Scotland. Wow, that's interesting. Well, you talk about little bike shops uh, all spread all across Scotland. I'm sure not just in the big cities of Edinburgh, but in most of the, even the smaller towns. Is there a national cycling organization? Are there like local and regional clubs that one can get involved with and, and go out and do rides? Are there organized rides um, for, say, a club out of Glasgow or out of Ayr or, um, gosh, you know, Perth or pick any city you, you want, I suppose? Yeah. Yeah, there's there is lots going on. Um, Cycling Scotland is the name of the organisation that you know, promotes cycling in in the country. Uh, they've got a website. You know, you can go on there and find out lots of information. Um, they 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 do things like they offer free courses, maybe to help people get confident if, in cycling and traffic and, and and stuff like that. Um, there's lots of big events. One of the, the biggest events in Scotland is something called Pedal for Scotland. Uh, this is held every year. I think it's in September. And it's an organised bicycle ride between Glasgow and Edinburgh. And it attracts more than 6,000 cyclists. Wow. It's huge. Um and that's to cover the 45 miles between Glasgow and Edinburgh. So it's a massively popular thing. Um, and you get cyclists of all shapes and sizes, all different ages and backgrounds. you got families and children. It's a really inclusive event. That's one of the biggest. But there, there, there's, there, there's loads taking place all over the country. And there, there's a website called bikeeventsscotland.com and that lists everything that's happening so virtually every region of Scotland there's 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 something at some point in the year that you you could join whatever your ability whatever type of cycling you're interested in whether it's racing or uh, mountain biking or touring or you want to do something for charity there's there's lots going on Again, back to the the hill walking example that I've purchased a couple of books for when my trip's over, and I know that uh, there are various identifiable walks that one can do, and and they're typically mm-hmm. graded by level of difficulty and kind of an idea as to you know this is can be quite strenuous, this is more or less mid level, and this is an easy walk that anyone can do. Are there organized and available bike trails, and and are they graded? to a certain extent in the same way, level of difficulty, so that I would know if I'm a beginning rider that I could probably do this. Uh, I shouldn't tackle that because I'm maybe not in the physical shape to do it or I don't have the experience to Mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
the national well, the, you have the national cycle network which is all over the uk and it's um, run by an organization called sustrans uh, their website is excellent because it shows where these routes are and there's an interactive map and there's information about these routes the the terrain um that's involved but i mean i'd always recommend that someone sort of starting out cycling or someone not sure about big distances or hills to to look for the the routes that use the dis, disused railway network um, because these are always flat there there's never any traffic because it used to be a railway line so it's just a bike path there now and there are so many of these in in Scotland and the beauty of these that you can you can do whichever distance you want. Um, you can tailor it to your ability, and also if you look at uh, coordinating that with with the trains, it's possible to maybe do a, a cycle route where you start at one train station and cycle a short distance, and then pick up a train at another station, so you're not having to do lots and lots of cycling. So. There's, there's so many possibilities. Having looked at your blog and read some of the, the rides that you've done, you, you mentioned being able to, to use the, uh, the old railway line and, and traveling by train. You do a lot of cycling by train, and I don't mean that to sound uh, <laughs> funny or unusual, but as you're saying, you ride a portion of the trip and then you're able to get onto a train and travel a further distance, get off, do some mm-hmm. more riding, et cetera. Is that fairly... Uh, a fairly popular thing amongst touring touring bicyclists in Scotland, and, and are there any difficulties traveling on a train with a bike? Well, it's it is actually it's free to take a bicycle on a train in Scotland. Um, on some trains, you don't even need to book; you can just turn up, and that's fairly straightforward. Although it's a first come first serve basis. Uh, so trains usually have limited spaces for bikes on them. There is they have a, they do have a designated area on the train uh-huh. for bicycles, and so on the outside of the carriage, there's a little bicycle symbol, so you know which door to get on. Things get a little bit complicated when you take routes sort of going north into the Highlands, um, where you actually have to have a bicycle reservation. Um, on the train it's again it's free of charge but if you don't have the reservation you may not be allowed to go on the train they might not let you come on Um, so it does require a bit of planning in advance Um, some often I will try to book a train and online and then discover that uh, they don't have any bike spaces available, so I'll then have to look at going on a different train. Just as an example, the train that goes north of Inverness, um, typically you have sort of maybe four bike spaces on that train. Um, so you've probably heard of the Land's End to John O'Groats cycle ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that train route is quite often used by people doing that that run. So um, you know they've maybe started in Lands End and finished in John O'Groat. So they need to get home. So they'll want to put their bike on the on the train. So in the summer months, it can be quite 
quite busy and quite difficult to get your bike on the train in those months. Um, so there's just there's certain things you you should do to to plan in advance if if you're going to use the train. Um, but there are some trains, such as the ones running between Glasgow and Edinburgh, you don't need to reserve your bike. You can just turn up and go. I want to talk about bicycling with regard to, to tourism in a moment, but are there guidebooks and resources that one can access to, let's say, I'm interested in, in going off and doing some riding around uh, Inverness and I'm in yeah. Glasgow. Are there guidebooks and things where I can find uh, maps and, and identifiable routes and places to go and, and points to see and do along the way as I'm doing this all by bicycle? Yes, I mean there are there are plenty of resources. Um, as I was saying earlier, the Sustrans website is is excellent for the National Cycle Network, showing those routes that are largely traffic free. And there are books. Um, many of them are listed on my site because I do some I do book reviews on the website as well. So I've got some some good uh, recommendations there the thing i mostly do now when i plan cycle routes is i i, I really just i just get a, a road map and i decide right what where do i want to go what do i want to see um so if i want to see a specific castle or a, a historic house or a particular area of the countryside then i'll look at how I can get there on a bicycle um, because that's where I want to go. Um, you can use Google Maps for the directions function. There's an icon you can click there with a bicycle symbol because usually when you put the directions in, it'll immediately tell you how to get there by car. Yeah, but you yeah. can click the bicycle button and that will often shift the route to a sort of quieter road, or if Google can find an an off an off road cycle route, it'll direct you to that. Um, so you can use all these sor- sources to actually just plot your own routes. Because if you're travelling in Scotland, you probably have an idea of the places you want to see, and the bicycle is just the means means to get there, mm-hmm. pleasurable way to get there. But I would think in, in most cases you would prefer to be able to get there on a route that doesn't necessarily mean taking the motorway or the A road um, and having to deal with traffic if that's possible. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's that's one of the things I'm trying to do with the website and the blog is is to show people that it is possible to to visit all the beauty, all the variety in Scotland using a bicycle and you don't have to go on those busy roads. You can avoid them. There's always a way around them. It may mean that you have to go on a B road or or, or an A road sometimes. Um, it really just depends how confident you are in the traffic. But Scotland is, is wonderfully quiet when you get into the countryside and even on a roads they can be quiet and empty um so there, there is always a way to use a quiet road to get to get to places and and one tool i frequently use to to judge whether a road is going to be 
quiet and safe is, is the the Google Street View, um, actually zooming right down and looking at that road, because the chances are that when the the time when the Google car with the camera was going down the road, if it's showing lots and lots of cars and lots of busyness, that's probably how that road's going to be, and you might want to avoid it. Mm-hmm. But all looking nice and quiet, then it gives you a bit of confidence that it's likely to be quiet when you're there also. You know, that's that's a brilliant bit of technology that you mentioned because I've used the same thing um, in a different manner. On my two trips to Scotland and I've come home and I've got all these photographs that I've taken and I can't always recall because I don't always take real exact notes um, where I took this particular shot. And I've been able to get onto Google Earth and, and use the, the Earth view and the maps. And you can literally... Yes get on the road and, and drive down the road. I mean, you know, yeah. a little bit at a time. And I've actually used that sitting here in my computer in my home to find the exact, and I do mean the exact spot where I stood and took hmm. a photograph from the side of the road. It's been amazing that I can find those exact spots. And so you can actually, if you've never been to Scotland, you can actually use that technology to take a virtual tour driving around from anywhere really in Scotland, from point A to point B, wherever you'd like to go, just by That's you know right. clicking on your mouse and, and watching it go by right there on your computer. It's really quite brilliant. <laughs> it's not as good as being <laughs> there, but, but it is a neat way to see no. or to research uh, bits of Scotland. Yeah, this this is true. It's also interesting that there there are parts of of the map where you can't go onto the street view. It's sort of grayed out. And those kind of areas excite me, especially <laughs> the cycle there because no one else can see what they're like. And um, I get excited about going onto roads like that, which are just out, really out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your website and your blog. Uh, the blog is uh, the cycling Scott and You've been writing, it appears, I went in and looked at your website, it appears that you launched that late in 2012, so you've been doing this for a while now. Yeah. Which came first? It's kind of a chicken or the egg. Did the bicycling come first and you started writing the blog, or did the blog come first and it became a a cycling blog, or or did they really sort of um, get launched together? You got into bicycling and and started doing the blog as you began to tour. How did that all come about? I would say definitely that the writing was the first thing uh, because it was the overseas trips that I went on. Um, These weren't cycling trips. These were just touring around, traveling, backpacking. And I always took a journal with me and took notes um, and and write up everything that I experienced. So I was always interested in writing. Um, And... You know, those trips would just be once once a year. And I felt I still wanted to write more. And I started going on the cycling trips. And I thought to myself, well, why don't I write about these as well? And that gives me another thing that I can write about. Um, so it was quite a few years I didn't write at all about the cycling trips. And it just occurred to me, well, I should write about them because... Traveling in Scotland is, is can be just as interesting as the overseas trips that I take, and I just decided to to start the blog. Um, 
and there was enough writing material there to to keep it going and and expanding it because it's turned into more than just about cycling you know i have book reviews on there um started to to write about you know places to stay accommodation um beer reviews <laughs> I, I was going to bring up beer reviews if you didn't yeah I, I saw a couple of craft beer reviews there <laughs> yes <laughs> well it's such a big thing now in scotland yeah uh, the, the craft beer is it's really growing and you know almost every region or, or small town now has a, a microbrewery and it, it, it's an added dimension to the traveling that you know if you go to an area whether you're on a bike or or driving or whatever you're doing and you get into that area and you know the food or in this case the beer is local and it, it just brings another dimension to, to your experiences absolutely and the thing i like about many of the places i've visited in scotland is in many cases the food is locally resourced as much as possible yes. and so you really get a taste for the different regions of the country as you travel about and and certainly scotland's food and drink industry is a thriving part of what drives tourism to scotland and i was reading a piece just the other day that mentioned that while scotch is still the national drink, if you will, of Scotland, that, uh, you know, the, the gin industry has seen tremendous growth. There's a new gin trail. There are a lot of new craft gins propping up. But I was also reading where now craft beer, as you're saying, is beginning to really make an input into the market and beginning to I don't know how realistic it was about threatening to displace scotch as the national drink, but the whole <laughs> point was that, and I doubt that'll ever happen, but the point was no. that craft beer is a really big growing part of the food and drink industry in Scotland right now. It it really is. It's just so much variety in it. That That's the thing. Just in, in the last few years, the, the choice you can have and real experimentation with flavor combinations Um and I think as well, perhaps bringing beer to, you know, a different audience, like people who maybe not traditionally would be beer drinkers. And it's drinking it. I think it's almost like making it like like the status of, of wine. And, and, you know, it's all about the taste now mm -hmm. and not just about, you know, drinking a few beers to get drunk and have a good time. There's a there's a real connoisseur thing about it now. It's definitely an interesting development uh, in Scotland. As I say, the gin industry there is undergoing uh, much the same thing. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, and I think, as I said, even in the food portion of Scotland, there's there's a great pride taken in local sourcing. And uh, yes. so I, I think it's it's wonderful to see that developing in the craft beer industry. And, and, it, and it all drives tourism into different regions uh, so that you can see and experience some of these different tastes. Back to your website. Yeah. Bicycling is like any other sport. There is very specialized equipment that's needed or 
can be needed. Uh, there's specialized clothing. I'm sure you could take a neophyte, drop him into a, a bicycle store, and you know a really good salesman would you know would load the guy up with all sorts of stuff he probably doesn't really need, but the salesman could convince him that he does. And and you go out with you know these ultra expensive gear and clothes and this specialized bicycle and tire repair kits and on and on and on and on. What I liked about your your site is you have some very basic guides for how to get involved, how to deal with traffic, and some other things. But let's talk about how to get involved with bicycle, you know, bicycling and, and touring is what we're primarily talking about. Because as you said, there's cycle commuting, there's racing, there's mountain biking. We're talking about touring around the country by bicycle. If I read your blog correctly, you've put forth that it really can be quite easy to get into it with some very basic equipment and very basic um, clothing and that sort of thing. Tell me a little bit about that. And, and from your eyes, how easily can you get involved into starting to tour and seeing some of Scotland by bicycle? Well, I mean, that first cycling trip that I did to Orkney, I mean, I, I, I just wore a pair of jeans and, you know, had a backpack on and any cyclists with experience would tell you you must be crazy um because <laughs> <laughs> it's just not not suitable but but i did it you know i was i was on orkney for you know four five nights and that's what i brought with me and i had a good time um so i don't you don't need to get all the specific bicycle specific clothing and equipment Yes, it, it does help. It makes it more comfortable. Um, but I mean, if if someone was interested in just doing, just trying it, and just doing a, a one-off trip or trying it to see if they like it, I don't think you need to make a massive investment. I mean, you, if you look at people in Holland or Denmark and how they cycle around, they just wear their everyday clothes. I mean, I know that they're actually cycling to work and it's not cycle touring. But I think the point is that it'd be a shame if people were put off doing it because they thought they had to spend lots of money on fancy gear. Mm, yeah. I think on my, uh, on my site, I mentioned um, there's this adventure cyclist, Tom Allen, and he also has a website. Uh, he does all sort of round the world cycling and he shows how he managed to get a complete touring bike with luggage and accessories for £25 and 17 pence. Wow. You know, there, you, don't need, you don't need to spend a fortune. There are ways, you know, to enjoy cycling with, without spending a lot of money. But, yes, there is equipment out there that, that can help and, 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 and make it more enjoyable. And, and I have some of that equipment I don't have the top of the range stuff, um, but you know you don't need you don't need to spend a fortune to enjoy cycling touring. Well, let's talk about cycling as it relates to the tourist people who come to Scotland. They're on a, a week's holiday, two week, whatever, um, 
And maybe they're thinking, maybe having heard this now, and they'll take a look at your website and think, well, you know, it might be fun to, you know, we want to go see Urquhart Castle up at Loch Ness. Maybe it would be mm-hmm. fun to do it by, by bicycle. Are there bicycling opportunities for tourists in Scotland, bike hire schemes, uh, places where you can go and, you know, and rent a bicycle and whatever equipment you may feel you need or want, help planning a, a, a trip and, and things of that nature? Um, is it a sport that's open to tourists who are visiting Scotland? Yeah, it, de- it definitely is. There are bike hire shops and uh, you will f- find them mainly in the uh, larger cities, but in towns as well. Um, I'd actually just I'd looked one up a short time ago in Edinburgh, um, and they were offering to hire a bike out to people for three weeks or more uh, for £65 a week, or on a half-day basis or on a day basis. Um, so you can definitely hire bikes in the People in these shops will give you great advice about routes, where to go. Uh, and usually when you hire the bike, it'll probably come with things like the helmet and the, the bicycle pump and, and such like. Um, I also get through my, my blog, I do get quite a few people contact me who are cycle tourists wanting to come to Scotland and bring their bike with them uh-huh. or buy a bike when they get here i've had these kind of inquiries and people asking for advice about that usually a lot a lot of it's actually about how to use how to use the trains and how to get your bike on the train because that's as we discussed earlier can be sometimes quite confusing so i've managed to help quite a few people in that situation so you will get people that will want to bring their own bike and the and the there are bike shops where you can buy them, and as I say, you can hire them. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a lot of help out there, and even someone coming to Edinburgh, you know, on a city break, you know, I'd recommend, you know, looking at, you know, doing a bike trip. Um, maybe not necessarily within the city, um, because you still got the congestion and stuff, although there are still good routes, but you could actually do day trips from Edinburgh. Just one example would be cycling from Edinburgh to Musselburgh on the on the seaside. Uh-huh. It's about six miles, and it's completely uh, traffic-free. It, it mostly follows the, the line of an old railway line, and there's an exciting portion of it where you get to go through what used to be a, a railway tunnel so there's there's lots of opportunities there for little day trips like that and if you were just coming to edinburgh or glasgow what about and if this doesn't exist you can thank me later for the business opportunity but okay. <laughs> uh, uh, you know people come over and and do bus tours there are there are guides mm-hmm. who do you know rabbies is a popular one where you can take a day trip on a on yeah. a rabbies bus and go out from glasgow to up to glencoe and places like that are there bicycle touring operations like that where a a seasoned uh, guide maybe takes a group of you know six twelve bicyclists that are tourists and and takes them on a ride to, to see some sites and and stops and talks about you know the different things that they're seeing along the way or I guess literally just a a you know a professional bicycle tour. 
Yeah, there are there are people doing that. Yes, um, I mean I'm not familiar with any any specific operators, but mm-hmm. you know an internet search will will definitely bring up stuff. Um, uh, yeah, so that that's also an option to actually have someone take care of all those logistics. Um, I mean I've done I have done cycling trips um, overseas in that style. And is definitely it removes all the sort of planning and organising, um, and and these these org- organisations will often, you know, ca- carry luggage sometimes, and um, they'll they'll arrange all your accommodation, uh, everything's taken care for you. So they are a good a good way if you're not so confident about doing the the planning side of things. And I suppose you don't have to take off on your own. You're traveling, in essence, you're traveling as as a small tour group, just as you would on a bus. Yes. Um, with other people who are riding bikes. So I guess, in a sense, all you have to really do is get off the airplane, meet some, you know, meet your group and uh, go pick up the bikes and, and your guide and, and away you go. And you're off touring Scotland by bicycle. That's right. Yeah. It's it's definitely an, e- an easy way to do it, simple way. Especially if you you just pushed on time with with doing the planning, maybe you're short on time and you want to just fit everything into a short period of time. It's ideal. Um, and the time that I've done it overseas, I I did it in Morocco and and Albania, and 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 it was it was great. Um, but those were those were countries perhaps I I felt a bit less confident about trying to do that myself. With Scotland, with the, there's so many resources that you can use that I think, you know, if you wanted to do it on your own, you wouldn't find it difficult. But I can understand why people would like to do the organised thing. And, yeah, you're travelling with a group and you're going to meet people and it's, it's, it's a good thing to do. Well, you've seen a great deal of Scotland. I know you're, uh, as you say, the the call to action on your blog is that you want to see all of Scotland, and I trust you haven't done that yet. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, you've seen a great deal of the country, and you've written some excellent blogs about it. Uh, we'll have the links uh, to your website and your blog on our show notes so that people can go and, and see and learn a great deal more about you. Uh, but you've got to have a couple of favorite rides. Can you share a little bit about one or two favorites and, and maybe um, anything, uh, you know, what's the, what's the most unusual thing that you've seen or that has happened to you along the way or a strange person you met or, um, you know, share with us a couple of your favorite memories of your bicycling touring so far. Um, okay. Well, I mean, one place that really sticks in my mind is a place called Alton and Break, which is in, Caithness in the far north of Scotland. It's about 20 odd miles west of Wick. And um, the only way to get to this place is is on the railway. And the train station there is one of the most remote train stations in Scotland. And you actually have to request a train to stop. It will not stop there even if you um, have a ticket for it. You, you have to tell the guard on the train that you want to get off at this station otherwise it'll just go straight through <laughs> and when you um, get get to the station um, you have this wonderful 
single track road where there are no vehicles, really, really remote in the middle of nowhere, complete solitude, just the sound of insects buzzing, bird song, and you know, it's it's a complete escape from city life and, and just a completely unusual place. Um but you need to, you need, you'd need to make sure you know how to change a, a tire on a bicycle because um if you get a puncture and you don't know how to do it out there there's no one to help. <laughs> <laughs> so that's certainly a, a, a fav a favourite place. Um some other things would be uh, re- recently, it was just last year, I took a trip out to the Mullican Tire and there's a lighthouse there on the tip of the Mullican Tire and the road out to that lighthouse is incredible. It's, it's very steep, um, so you, you do need a bit of fitness for it and then it goes downhill very, very steep. And it gets to a point where vehicles can't can't go any further, um, because the road is so so steep that it's it's dangerous to to actually take a vehicle down there. And even with a bicycle, I couldn't go very far down it because it was sliding all over the place. It was gravel everywhere. And if I did get to the bottom of the road, I knew I'd have to push it up because there was no way I could cycle up there again. So I had to walk the last distance, but the spot was just breathtaking with the lighthouse. There was nobody else there. Um, blue sky, calm sea. I could walk around the lighthouse buildings and around the outside of them. And it was just a, a, a perfect, perfect spot. I had some nice wildlife encounters when you, when you cycle, because on a, on a car or a vehicle, uh, they they can hear you coming, so they they get out of the way quickly, and you miss them. But on a bicycle, there's more chance of of spotting things. Um, so I've seen all all kinds of things in in, in close quarters, birds of prey, um, pine martens, um, even uh, field mice running across the road. Um, one of the most striking encounters is probably the. The herd of red deer on the island of Jura. Loads and loads of these deer. I'm just cycling along and I can see them and they're quite close to me and they just stop and they stare at you. And it was quite a, a, a very nice moment. Um, yeah, um, in terms of people sort of just trying to think off the top of my head, uh, I suppose one of the nicest things was. Um, being invited in uh, into someone's home, which was actually a, an old railway station in a place called Spey Bay uh, on the Murrayshire coast. I was cycling along the route there and I saw this building across a field and I thought, that looks like a station, what's that doing there? And sort of staring across at it and a woman came up to me and and she said, oh, I saw you looking at the, at the station. And yes, it is a station. Do you want to come and see it? So I was invited in and her husband was there and he was out doing the gardening. And um, he let me have a look around. And 
it was really interesting just to see this what used to be a railway station and the platform and where the tracks were were now part of the garden and um, just really nice people that they they invited me in to have a look at it. It's interesting that you mentioned that because you and I first connected via an earlier podcast that I did with friends who are doing something similar in restoring Dalmali Railway Station. And I was looking for some good photographs of it, stumbled across your blog, and you had been there visiting it by bicycle and had some nice pictures and were kind enough to let me use a couple of them for my uh, podcast website. And that was our first, uh, where I think we first crossed paths. This is clearly something that you enjoy and and get a a great deal of, uh, I I think, um, enjoyment out of. Um, Why would you... If if I come to you and said, okay, why should I consider touring Scotland by bicycle? Why, even whether I'm a tourist or a local resident, what makes it different or special or magical? What do you get from this that that probably can't be found or can't be realized in some other form of touring around Scotland? You're going to experience Scotland in a in a different way. Um, you're going to be connected more with the landscape and what's happening outside. If you're in a vehicle, you're sealed from that. So on a bicycle, you can, you can smell the flowers. You can hear the bird song, hear the the trees rustling, the leaves rustling, and you can feel whatever the weather is doing on your face. It, It just brings you into connection with, with the country, with the landscape you'll appreciate where you are the the distances you you'll feel you'll feel proud of yourself because of the the distances you've managed to cover on the bicycle no matter how short the distance is it will always feel like an adventure um jumping in a car or a bus or a train can sometimes just feel routine but there's something about going out on a bicycle and especially if there's a, an end goal such as you want to see a castle or you want to go to a particular loch when you get there it's a sense of satisfaction it's a special feeling my thanks to my guest colin baird you can follow him on twitter as at cycling scott and on facebook as the cycling scott a link to his website and blog along with other helpful links for more information about bicycle touring in scotland will be in our show notes on our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Ironically, as Colin and I were discussing the bicycle hire programs of London and Glasgow early in the show, there is news just recently that the city of Edinburgh expects to begin a pilot bicycle hire program before the end of this year. One question yet to be resolved, where to locate the bikes? As one councillor noted, the cycling needs of residents, i.e. commuters, are vastly different than those of tourists. It was also noted that because of Edinburgh's hilly terrain, electric bikes, an option that Colin suggested someone like myself with bad knees might consider, will likely be a part of the bicycle hire scheme. Next time, we explore the fabric of Scotland with bespoke tartan designer Claire Campbell of Prickly Thistle, in the Highlands of Scotland. Until then, I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalev, I guess Alapa Gubra.
Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glen L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore Tartan Sky. That's the underscore symbol Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening.